102.5 FM, KXSFLP, San Francisco, and KXSF.FM. You're tuned in to Spark, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. How can we optimize the quality of both our physical and mental health as we age? Today, I'm talking with Dr. Frank Lipman, who specializes in the functioning of the body as a means of preventing disease and creating vibrant, sustainable health. He will share what we can do to promote our well-being over time. Thank you for joining me today on Spark, Dr. Lipman. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. What are the common myths or old rules that people have about aging well? Well, probably the commonest one is that it's just normal to feel tired, to start having brain fog, to start having aches and pains, to put on weight, not sleep as well. Most people put that down to just normal symptoms of aging, and that's not normal. So I think that's probably the biggest myth. Another myth may be that there's nothing you can do about it, and this is just the way it is. Those probably would be the big myths. That's really good to know that we can do something about it. Sure we can. Lots we can do about it. Let's start with the first common challenge that people complain about, which is the slowdown of metabolism resulting in waking with age. What would be your recommendation in addressing this? The common cause of that is as we get older, our capacity to metabolize carbohydrates decreases. And because of that, we tend to gain weight our blood sugar slowly creeps up and causes all sorts of problems. Probably the best thing one can do is to cut back on your sugar and your carbs. Tending towards a low-carbohydrate diet would be something that's very important. And the other thing would be just prioritize sleep because if you're not sleeping well, it's going to slow down your metabolism or your, your the weight's going to creep up as well. The two tips I would give is to cut back on your carbohydrates in general, and that even may include fruit. It all depends how much how effective your, your metabolism is for carbohydrates, but cut back on your carbohydrates and, and make sure that you're sleeping well. Is it true that we need less sleep as we get older? No, uh, that's another myth. I think it becomes harder sleep well as we get older and we we tend to sleep less so we think that's normal but I think it's really important that you you don't buy into that and think that five hours of sleep is enough as you get older it does become a little bit harder to get good sleep as you get older but it's probably even more important what is important about how we're eating as we age should there be certain fruits where we should be eating more of and certain fruits that we should be eating less of? Eating less is definitely easier to tell you. I mean, you should be eating less sugar and starchy foods, less crap in general, processed foods. And as we get older, maybe decreasing the amount of animal protein can be helpful because too much animal protein can actually work negatively with our longevity genes. I suggest people cut back radically on sugar and starches and somewhat on animal protein. My understanding is that you can or your body needs less as you age. Would you agree with that? 
A hundred percent, yes. Thank you for <laughs> for bringing that up. Yeah, I think we need to eat less as we get older because most of the studies have actually shown that one of the best things for aging well is to eat less. Yes, eating less is helpful for aging well. Then how do we ensure that we get the right nutrients or enough nutrients? Because it seems like there are a lot more, whether it's supplements or drinks. I mean, is that what then we turn to as we age in order to ensure that we are getting enough nutrients? Well, not that I'm against supplements. I'm, I'm all for supplements. I take a, a lot of them myself. And, and it's very difficult to get all the nutrients you need from a diet, even if it's a good diet. But you still should be eating sort of a diet as close to nature as possible, the most nutrient-dense foods as possible. So even if you're eating less, just make sure what you eat is good nutrients. I just eat, for instance, Two meals a day. It's one o'clock in, in New York now. I've, I've just had my breakfast or lunch, my first meal, and then I eat again at dinner times. I fast for a good 16 hours every night, which makes it actually easier to eat less. I think eating less is important. Just make sure the food you eat is nutrient dense. So you'll get as many nutrients as you can from the food, but all for taking some extra supplements as well. Are there any foods that counter aging effects of the body? For example, I heard someone was putting turmeric on everything she eats. Do you think that actually works? I love turmeric. I actually take turmeric in supplement form. So yes, I think turmeric is a, an incredible spice and herb and that has multiple benefits for the body. Whether you get enough just putting turmeric powder on food is another story. I think you need much higher doses than that. So I actually take a curcumin supplement when I do take my supplements. I don't remember every day, but I take curcumin supplements. I think it has multiple benefits for the body. Okay, I need to circle back on the supplements because there's so many that you could possibly take. Going back to food, it sounds like you believe in fasting from what I've read. And how uh, would you do the fasting? Well, there are many different ways of Fasting, the easiest way is, and the way I do it and recommend it to my patients, not because it's the only way, but because it's the easiest way, is to basically eat dinner earlier and breakfast later. So I have dinner by 7 o'clock, I'm usually done. And then my first meal, my breakfast the next day is around 11 or 12. I fast for a good 16 hours overnight. That's the easiest way, basically just skipping breakfast. But there are other ways of doing it. I mean, some people fast for 24 hours. They do it once a week. Some people have very low calories for two days or don't, or yes, a very low calorie diet for two days and then eat normally for five days. Some people even fast for a week at a time. There are different ways of doing it. Just think the intermittent fasting or what we call time-restricted eating is the easiest way. Why is it important? What fasting does is it's a little bit of a stress on the body, a good stress. It's called a hormetic hormesis or hormetic stress. The idea that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. That when you exercise, when you do high-intensity interval training, if you're pushing, you're stressing your body temporarily. When you go from like a sauna to a cold plunge, that's an acute stress. Fasting 
does the same. It's an acute stress on the body. And that acute stress triggers your longevity genes in a good way. Fasting also lets the process of autophagy kick in. Autophagy is a self-cleansing mechanism of the body. What happens as we get older, the autophagy process in the body, its function decreases. So your self-cleansing mechanisms aren't as efficient. What fasting does is it improves that function or promotes that autophagy. It also is really good for metabolic health. You were talking about your metabolism slowing down. When you fast, it's a really good way of improving your blood sugar metabolism and your your lipid your lipid profile and metabolism. Fasting affects many different processes in the body, all of which are good for aging. Well, it's interesting. I was just thinking that I could do the fasting procedure that you recommended, except for the fact that I need my coffee in the morning. <laughs> no, you can have. So if you, that's a good question. I have black coffee. What breaks the fast is basically protein and carbohydrates. So you can have some black coffee. I used to put a little bit of almond milk in. Now I just have black coffee. If you have black coffee... It's not going to break your fast. If you have black coffee with a little bit of unsweetened almond milk, probably all right too. In other words, a little bit of fat in there, but no carbohydrates and no protein. Having a cup of black coffee is not going to break your fast. That's really good to know. Another age-related challenge appears to be brain fog or memory, as you pointed out earlier, as a myth. How do we alleviate it then if... It feels like we have this fog coming on that we didn't have before. And what is going on there? Well, what's going on is trickier to determine. But often, my experience has been brain fog is actually coming from your gut and from what's going on in your microbiome. And once you correct that and improve gut function, the brain fog gets better. I always work with the microbiome when anyone's complaining of brain fog, including younger people, not only older people, and also just cutting back on the sugar and the starches and improving your diet can help as well. And then the the standard things that, you know, are, are important that may help to a certain extent. Exercise always helps a little bit. Dealing with your stress and getting good sleep. So all the lifestyle changes that I recommend for healthy aging, you put that all together and it's unlikely that your brain fog won't get better. And if it's not getting better, then you've got to look for some other cause. But usually making these lifestyle changes will help with brain fog. You have to really focus on making sure that you have good gut health, but you don't really know, right? It's not something that that you can really sense that you have a good gut or not. It's not as obvious as having a headache. Exactly. So it's not as obvious, and sometimes you don't know, but if you pay attention, most of the time you will know, because a lot of people have a little bit of bloating, they're not pooping properly, they've got too much gas, they may have a little bit of heartburn, and they also think that's normal. As we get older, you know, that's just a normal thing that happens as we get older or everyone else has it, a little bit of bloating and a little bit of constipation or loose stools or whatever it is normal. No, those are early signs of a microbiome that is off. Now, you can have no 
gut symptoms and still have a microbiome that's imbalanced, but that's more un- uncommon. Usually there will be, you will know, you'll either have some sugar cravings, some brain fog, or more often some bloating, a little bit of gas, you're not pooping properly, a little bit of heartburn. You usually know when it's off. But we do have increased inflammation of the body as we get older, right? And yes. that's where we feel more aches and pains? Yes. Uh, inflammation is one of the commonest, if not the most important underlying factor in how well we age. So if you can tamp down inflammation, you tend to age better. And the commonest source of inflammation contrary to what most people understand, is actually comes from an altered microbiome. It all fits in. So if you can correct your microbiome or get your gut working more efficiently, there's a good chance you're going to tamp down that inflammation as well. Interesting. It's really about what we're putting into our gut. What should that look like? First of all, it's what to avoid. Once again, we'll get back to the sugar and the starches and if you're looking for what to eat i would say to you eat the stalks and the stems from your vegetables because the stalks and the stems are the parts that we usually cut off and those are the fibrous parts that we as humans don't digest because we don't digest them they go further down the gut and they feed the good bacteria they prebiotics they food for the probiotics eating the stalks and stems are important. Eating a lot of green, leafy vegetables, non-starchy vegetables generally are important. Bone broth, I'm a huge fan of bone broth because the collagen in the bone broth has amino acids which support digestive health and also can support bones and it just has generally good nutrients in it. If you are going to eat animal protein, just make sure it's well-sourced grass-fed and grass-finished meat, organic chicken, pasture-raised eggs, things like that. Avoiding the antibiotics and all the chemicals that we ingest or inject into our foods. Does it matter whether the bone broth comes prepackaged? Well, that's a good question. Depends who you ask. A good friend of mine is Marco Canora, who started Brodo. You know, he's a serious chef and He'll tell you that the packaged bone broth is crap, but you've got to be realistic. I mean, the best way is to make your own bone broth, the old school chicken soup, cooking the bones and letting all the nutrients from the bones come out into the soup. So if you can make it yourself, that's great, but always going to be harder to do that. Just being realistic, if you get packaged bone broth, not the end of the world. Ideally, you want to make your own or buy proper bone broth, but if you can't, then the packaged one is better than not doing it. Does it matter what kind of bone? Because there are all sorts of bones. Sure, you want organic bones, obviously, but I'm a big fan of beef bone broth. I think you get a lot of, you really get good nutrients from the beef, but you get from good ones from chicken too, but, and even fish bones. You get vegetable bone broth too, and I'm not quite sure how good that is, but there's no question that the animal, the chicken, the meat, and, and even to a certain extent the fish, uh, you get more nutrients from it. 
people complain about the knees, the shoulder, and the back over time, how do we then keep our joints and spine intact from all those right. crackling and sure. everything that's going on? Right. Well, I, I think what often happens to most of us, we either get injured or we've been walking or running certain ways and our body then tightens up in that area and then it has to compensate. And when it has to compensate over time, certain muscles don't fire properly and your body compensates by using other muscles. This is why this is so much more common as we get older. This is years and years of a body that's not aligned properly or certain injuries that haven't healed. I think it's always good to, first of all, go to a good physical therapist or some type of body worker who could free up those areas. Using a foam roller is incredibly helpful to release tight muscles. And trying to find a, a PT or some type of movement person who can help you with your alignment, the way you're riding your bike or running or whatever exercise you're doing. I think alignment and using the appropriate muscles is really important. But first off would be to find some type of body worker who can release the tight tissue. And if you can't do that, try work the muscles, the tight fascia and the muscles out of the foam roller. Is there easier or faster way to recover from exercise? I do think you need to listen to your body because I'm 66 now and I know that sometimes I need more time to recover. I can't push myself too much. I need My body needs a little bit more time to recover. I think it's important not to push it as we get older because what you don't want to do as you get older is injure yourself too often because your body takes longer to recover. I think that's normal and it's just one of those things you've got to accept as you get older and just don't push it. You've got to remember that you're 60 years old and not 20 years old and your body is a little bit different and is going to recover differently. You have to reset your expectations. Yeah, not that you shouldn't exercise. I just think you need to be a little bit more gentle on your body. What I always say is once you've reached the age of 40, 45, it's about preservation. It's not about pushing and pushing and pushing. It's more about preserving what you have. That's a really good point. Are there certain physical activities that will make a bigger impact on your health later on versus earlier? Well, I think later on, you need to look for exercise where there's less chance of you injuring yourself. Let's take running as an example. I think... Running is great for the head, but especially as we get older and especially if our alignment is not good, you're pounding the pavement continually. The chances of you injuring yourself are much greater. I'm a bigger fan of cycling as one gets older. I'm a huge fan of yoga. I sort of look for more gentle exercises that don't push the body physically as much or, or tend to not injure the body as much. What about increasing our energy level as we age? Once again, you want to avoid the foods and uh, habits that decrease your energy. So you've got to make sure you're sleeping well. You've got to deal with the stress. You've got to let go of anger, resentment, things that drain your energy. But one of the best things for increasing energy is firstly would be exercise. And secondly would be adaptogens, which are herbs that help your body adapt to the stresses of life. So herbs like ginseng 
rhodiola, ashwagandha are herbs I use quite frequently, especially as people get older. The tonic herbs that are used in Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, you know, if you in Chinese medicine, most older people will take ginseng or something like that. And similarly, in the, in the Indian culture, they'll use adaptogenic herbs like ashwagandha. So that's one of the things you can do. And once again, I'm a big believer in measuring people's nutrient levels and then supplementing them accordingly. Are those herbs something that you can take as supplements? And yep. if you do believe in supplements, which ones do you think are the most important? And the other challenge is that there's so many options out there. How do you select the best ones that are going to make a difference? Yeah, I mean, I think supplementation is such an individual thing. What we can do now, but this is not for everyone because they have to go see certain doctors who will work with it. What I do in my practice, for instance, is I do a complete blood panel with all the nutrients, and we often do genetic testing too. So we see where sort of nutritional genetic markers and the genetic test which measures nutritional pathways. Once we have those blood back and those nutritional pathways back, we can plug the, the, the weaknesses or plug where people are deficient. If you don't have that, magnesium is often helpful, fish oil can be helpful, and then you start looking at supplements that are actually more specific for for the aging process. Something like nicotinamide riboside, NR, can be extremely helpful. You look for nutrients that basically support the mitochondria in the body, which are the energy powerhouses. There's supplements like coenzyme Q10, alpha-lipoic acid, this nicotinamide, riboside, all of those supplements help with mitochondrial function. And when you improve mitochondrial function, because they're the energy powerhouses in the cell, they can help with energy in the body in general. Interesting. So those would be the top ones that you would recommend in terms well, of how it, we can age well, in, yeah. in a healthy way? Yeah, I mean, I hate generalizing, but yeah. If I'm going to generalize and you can't, targeted because people understand, don't want to go to their doctor or, or, or do this stuff. Yes, then those would be the ones. Those are the ones I, I talk about in the book. Yes, I really enjoy reading your book. It was really easy to read. The question is also, like you say, it's less common for many doctors to do these kind of nutrient panels. Yep. So what would you say are the most common supplements that you recommend in my practice? In your anti-aging practice. Yeah, I would say a multi, fish oil, a vitamin D, and a magnesium are the sort of common ones that people are deficient in. A lot of people are deficient in vitamin D, in omega-3 fatty acids, and in magnesium, sometimes B12 as well. So those would be the common nutrient deficiencies I see that you pick up in the blood. And then the common anti-aging nutrients that I use would be coenzyme Q10, alpha-lipoic acid, and nicotinamide riboside. And the body can absorb and take what it needs from it? Because there's some argument that it's unclear that your body will absorb most of, the, most of these supplements. 
I don't agree with that argument. I understand the argument. I think there is a there is an argument. I think if your gut is in good shape and if you're taking high quality nutrients, I think that's probably the most important because yeah, there's so much crap out there. You can get such a range in quality of these supplements. But if you're taking a good quality supplement and your gut is not in terrible shape, then I think you are absorbing enough of it. I mean, I've been practicing medicine for 40 years, more than 40 years. I've been using supplements for more than 30 years. I've seen the effects of supplements when when they're taken appropriately, when they've given out appropriately, and when you're using high-quality supplements, I see the results. So I understand the argument because if there's so much poor-quality supplements out there, you're probably not even getting what they're saying is in there. And if they're not targeted, they may not be helpful. I understand the argument, but I think if it's done properly with someone who knows what they're doing and, and with supplements that are good quality, then I don't think it's a problem. I read that you don't believe in alcohol, and there are different perspectives about having a glass of wine. I wouldn't say I don't believe in alcohol, but I mean alcohol is is a toxin. I'm not saying I'm I'm more about the context in the way alcohol is drunk. So if you drink it around a table with your family and friends over dinner, I think that's what's healthy about it. Alcohol per se. I don't see any benefits from it. I mean, one of the nutrients that touts as beneficial in alcohol, resveratrol, which I should have mentioned earlier, is, yes, resveratrol is great as an anti-aging nutrient, but the amount you get in alcohol, you'd have to drink a whole lot of alcohol to get that amount. I take resveratrol as a supplement. That's another good anti-aging supplement. I don't see the benefits of the ingredients of alcohol per se. I see the benefits of drinking alcohol with friends and family, taking hours over a meal. That's the context of the alcohol. I don't think it's the alcohol per se. But you do believe in CBD or cannabidiol as a good alternative for relieving stress or anxiety? Mm-hmm. Big time. I mean, I think there are many, many benefits of CBD and THC, many more than alcohol. If you're using alcohol to chill out, I see that as a problem often because alcohol affects your sleep negatively. People come home and they had drink to relax and then it affects their sleep, whereas CBD can relax you and can actually help your sleep. And, and CBD has got a lot of other beneficial effects on the body as well, including being an anti-inflammatory. Yeah, I'm a big fan of CBD, and we can't really use THC in New York legally, so I don't have the same experience with THC, but I do use CBD all the time. So yes, I would definitely choose CBD over alcohol. Once again, if you're sitting with your family and friends around the table, I I don't want to stop. That's what's healthy about the alcohol. Wrapping up, with the top five on your list of must in aging well? Eat less. I would try intermittent fasting and time-restricting eating because when you do that, you automatically will eat less. Prioritize sleep. Move your body as much as you can throughout the day. And 
make sure that you're not lonely. There's a community that you're part of, whether it's your family or friends, whatever the community is, your congregation. And then finally, be kind. Be kind to yourself, be kind to others, and be kind to the planet. That is great advice. Thank you for sharing your expertise in the new rules of aging well. And thank you for joining me on Spark today, Dr. Lippman. Thank you.